0: Welcome to So Farscape, a fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan and a frankly fascinated first timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So far,
1: and this is the story. story so Farscape. Farscape. Thank you. I just got really excited. There well, you we wanted second. to
0: go with So Farscape so good. We're at right at the end already. That was the shortest I, episode ever.
1: It's not. A, no, I did, but not because I wanted to be at the <laughs> end, but just because I thought that this episode was really good. Okay, cool. I've been. No, like it. Uh, probably a lot of fans are going to be very confused by this. That I've been looking forward to watching this episode again myself, not just showing it to you, yeah. but just watching it myself for so long, and uh, it did not disappoint. I unf- take it it's not a big fan favorite. Oh, it's not poorly regarded, okay. by, by by any stretch of the imagination. But it's it's not like one of the highlights that people talk about when they rave about the uh, uh, the excellent second season that we're in. Right, it's another bottle episode. Right, but Farscape being Farscape, a bottle episode is usually, okay, we'll just put it all on the spaceship so that we yeah. don't have to build any sets, and then we, oh, let's not invite any guest actors, because that's nice and cheap, and right. so instead what we'll do is we'll take our lead and put him in three different types of prosthetic. I was wondering, I'm, I, th- I was thinking, I guess that Ben Browder must
0: have been complaining that everybody else was getting all the cool makeup, and he wanted to go as well, and therefore they decided, like, okay, you want it, we'll give it to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, because we are we are talking about... Ooh, 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 we have synopses for this.
0: Yes, this is episode 210, uh, My Three Crichtons, in which uh, all life is precious except apparently genetically inferior or superior clones of humanity. So the next time you go sacrifice someone to save yourself, remember, you're
1: genetically mundane. The more you know... Thank <laughs> you for that one, uh, uh, Wookie. Test Monkey 6 k says, The Prisoner meets 2001 meets Alien Nation where a crew member finds the past far more compelling than the future oh wow that was a
0: very good uh, that's a really in, in, uh, good one. looking in retrospect
1: and uh, Horsebird
0: says it's time to play the dating game <laughs> the Bachelorette is an alien orb of indeterminate origin and you'll go wild for our three lovely contestants.
1: Oh, that's very good Horsebird I like,
0: I, I like it's like how it's three lovely contestant and not three lovely contestants
1: <gasps> I just got that
0: that's brilliant
1: <laughs> oh they are so good at this I'm so thank you again for everyone who sent this in uh, kind of last minute please keep Sending them in. There's a handy little link to the form on our Twitter profile. I don't think it's on the website. It's actually tricky to put things on the website. It's uh, sf sfsynopses, but I think the capitalization matters. Oh, dear. Yeah, I'm not not very good with this. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: there won't be any prizes, but we do appreciate you uh, thinking of
1: us and sending in those lovely synopses. Hey, and we might read them on air as we did today. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, uh, my three critons. The the fantastic, like, it, yes, it's a bottle episode, but this being Farscape, they made it very difficult for themselves. Well, yes. You know, you had multiple scenes with multiple Crichtons, which is not just him in a different jacket. Or, like, that is multiple hours of makeup that he has to do between each of those scenes. I suppose
0: there were a few stand-ins for, like, shooting him on the back while uh, he
1: was uh, in uh, one of the costumes. Oh, that's a good point. Getting into my trivia a little early here, this is the only episode of Farscape, or the first, not to have a guest star, but it does have one guest actor. Oh, he's the guy they used as a stand-in for Crichton? And that's uh, Matthew Lenevez or Leneve. I'm not quite sure whether that's a... yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's a French name, so probably Leneve or however he, Which is a Crichton double. And I think that this is the person that is slung over primitive Crichton's shoulder oh. at the end and is therefore better credited as Ben Brown's butt double. That makes perfectly good because, sense. Yeah. so <laughs> he, does, he really loves being able to do that fireman's carry on people, doesn't he? <laughs> yes, whenever he has to carry someone, throws them over his shoulder. <laughs> and gets them a good like, butt shot. Good butt shot right up to the camera, gets it in everyone's face. I mean,
0: yes, I'm, I'm I'm totally there for it. I mean, it's usually Chiana who gets slung over his
1: shoulder and carried off. It's happened a few times, yes. yeah. But here he gets to do it to essentially himself. And I think they got a very good butt double. It's all in the pants, I suppose. Yes, but it's also in what's, what's in the pants. Well, which... it's all in pants. <laughs> all in pants. <laughs> uh, which Aaron has something to say. Oh, come on, we got to just get into the episode. Right. Prepare to stop
0: So we have an opening shot of John and Aaron arguing about where critical components should go. Apparently his module has a few uh, Moya components that are desperately needed on the prowler. we get got gorgeous shot of Dargo spike, as I like to call it. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, the, that's the one of the pointy bits on the prowler. Don't get yes. too excited. It's still a PG-13. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they're having a bit of a good-natured argument.
1: It's a matter of priorities, Crichton. You know which ship is more important. Yes, I know which one is more important to you. Yes, but the one that can actually get us out of trouble if we come under attack. I know someone who will soon be under attack. Yeah, there's another proximity alert as they're very close together, yeah, as they oh, like I hadn't, to be. I, I hadn't caught that one. That's like, uh, But yes, uh, a pilot has detected
0: some sort of energy thing, which is tracking them. We got some nice outside shots of Moya where the uh, energy sphere is uh,
1: It's amazing. zooming
0: in on uh, Moya, trying to get in. And it's
1: so weird. Yeah. Such a, it's this energy blob. It looks huge. Then it's small. Pilot is extremely worried. And so Crichton changes his mind. Nope, you're right. You are right. Put it in. Put them in there, in. yeah. No, <laughs> he's like, he's just, like. It's almost like he was having the
0: argument only for argument's sake, like not wanting to see oh, yeah. to, to her that like her ship is the more important
1: one. Exactly, and so he tells Aaron to put it in. Put it in. Well, yes. And mm. mm. we'll just leave it right there. We'll just. <laughs> Probably play that little sound bite and some other opportune moments.
0: Yeah, so the energy sphere like gives a rippling dimensional effect or something when it like p- yeah, uh, so cool. bumps through Moya. And this is, like, this is like, I think at least half a dozen Star Trek episodes start like this. Yes. You know, with some sort of uh, energy thing and Very invading uh, the Enterprise.
1: It's another super Star Trek episode, isn't it? It is. There's uh, lots of techno babble.
0: Yes, I noticed especially that defense screen is rapidly starting to become the main deflector dish from uh, infra- uh, Farscape. It scale. really is. <laughs> It It's like, oh, let's do it, fix it with the defense screen. But uh, we'll yeah. you have to the- run it
1: through the neural cluster and, uh, and make sure that there's confetti on standby. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the sphere flies through the corridors. We get shots of various members of the crew. I noticed that uh, Darga was making
1: bedroom eyes at it rather. Yeah. Uh, he was like, oh. So they all get an MTV close-up with what looks like a sort of an energy iris. It's a very low frame rate. Yeah, sensor I Sensor contraption, yeah. as you pointed out. But man, I was so excited here. I love this music. Oh, I didn't know, particularly it, pay attention to the music. Oh, it's got this, like, Mars Attacks uh, oh, kind okay. of synthesizer. Yeah. It's really, really cool. So, yeah, I was delighted to be able to hear that again. Yeah, everybody gets a little (sighs) close-up. Dargo seems to really enjoy his. Wow. Get yourself a man who looks at you like that. I mean, there's
0: there's a lot of gorgeous uh, Dargo eye roll shots in this episode anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But uh, it ends up in Maintenance Bay 2, and it's hovering over John's head, who seems to be rather nervous about the whole uh, experience. Erin draws her weapon. John does what she does best,
1: shoots it. John does not disapprove. I, I sort of expected oh, him yeah. to... Aim maybe high. But, Aim high, but shoot <laughs> yeah. it. But she shoots it, and it starts to expand, and instead of running away... John he just stands there falls to his knees and like does a does a like a lambada underneath it John he, he does
0: the like you know standing the in the forbidden dance standing in the uh, field getting sucked up by the light beam coming out of the flying saucer thing except in this case the light beam is descending down on top of him and once it's engulfed him it embeds itself in the deck of the ship and turns solid
1: yeah uh, uh, this is after Aaron uh, oh she sort of pulls a, a, an anti-Maldus strategy fire two fire two and she fires her prowler's pulse cannon oh is that what happens? Okay, yeah, I didn't quite catch what was going on there. Yeah, it's pretty quick and, uh, and chaotic. I love this effect of the. You've got a, you've got a big, green, gooey, smoky, solid. Crystalline sort of sphere. Yeah. Veruca on Moya. Oh. I love it. I love it. It's, it's just all this... I mean, it's it's probably relatively cheaply done. Some some inflated dome with plastic on it, a couple yeah. of green
0: lights and some smoke around it. Sli- yeah, throw a few uh, buckets of slime against it. And, but man, it looks so cool. Yeah. And it has an underside as well. Yes, as Ra- we see Rigel discovering when he's like moving through the corridor underneath Maintenance Bay 2. We don't have to wait very long for a resolve on it, though. It, the, the thing is putting an immense drain on Moya systems, and uh, Pilot is very worried about it. Pilot does a lot of worrying in. in. In this episode, I noticed.
1: Oh, yeah. Pilot and uh, pilot gets a lot of attention from the camera as well. Like, yes, the camera work in this episode was bananas. It was really fantastic. Was it that one uh, uh, director again? Because I noticed again a lot of shots getting shot through stuff standing in yeah, front you'd of think it. Think so. That's that's Andrew Prowse's signature, and right. certainly like when it starts off, it's like shooting uh, John and Aaron through the slats of the mm. uh, uh, through the prompts of... Actually, this is a new director, Catherine Miller. Uh, she's going to come back. This was her uh, her first shot, but so she she brought some new energy. To to Moya that we haven't seen before, certainly to Pilot, mm. who gets like a fisheye GoPro up the nose shot a yes. few times, which not is... his best angle, but <laughs> it, it conveys the stress. This I know,
0: a... I, I, get, I get it, but it's like I said, it's like it wasn't a flattering angle. It was a it was a great shot, but it's yeah, like yeah, it, I, would, I wouldn't put that in my uh, you know portfolio. I mean, you know what <laughs> the same as With, faith, the with show, Facebook, yeah. you always you shoot from above, not from below. Shooting from below makes you look weird. Yeah, <laughs> and apparently this is true for aliens as well. Oh, my God. Do you think he could do duck face? No. With a fully
1: animatronic face like that, I with a huge mobile I, I lips. I don't think he's got the lips for it. It's like mm. Pilot's character design has been described by, I think it was Marshland Witch. She is on uh, on Twitter. She was an excellent observer of, uh, of Farscape, that he has the eyes of a hare, mm-hmm. which are sort of bug-eyed and kind of red around yeah. the edges as well. I know what you mean. And he has the sort of long facial silhouette of a horse, but yes. still very, very soulful. You know, the, 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 the right, way his yeah. cheeks move. But his mouth—I tried to look at that because he's got these weird sort of teeth and it's weirdly mobile. And the closest I could come up with was Baloo from Jungle Book. Oh, okay, He has that friendly sort of protruding mouth that's right. very expressive.
0: Yeah, he doesn't seem to be Ooh, particularly be really threatening even. or bitey when it comes to that sort of thing. No. Also, you can also easily outrun him, but that's not a that thing entirely. <laughs> <laughs> we've never,
1: we've never seen him in his running in his native habitat. Might no, a, he was just
0: like sitting around a little bit when we saw him there. But yeah, we don't have to wait for a long-term scientific exploration or resolution because uh, very shortly after moya's uh, power systems peak this ape-like creature gets ejected from the sphere mm. and immediately goes scurrying off
1: our familiar john follows right on his heels
0: yes uh, he, he gets oh, wait, popped out
1: which order is it in? yeah yeah Come no on.
0: the first the primitive one comes out right then a regular john comes
1: out so that's a sort of Neanderthal looking, uh, yes. looking person, uh, butt naked but hairy. So it's it's yeah, okay.
0: it's like it's, it's, he's got hairy naked pants on. Clearly, uh, <laughs> Dargo immediately goes off in pursuit of him,
1: uh, while Aaron takes care of John, who is freezing. Is he, oh, is that what's going on with him? Yeah, that's why they wrap his blanket. Oh. Wrap a, a brand new blanket that we've never seen before. A very oh. fluffy, actually. Maybe worn it's a blanket.
0: fresh Maybe it's a fresh skin flag.
1: Oh, oh. Oh, maybe, she's, maybe this is her winter coat. Maybe she's got <laughs> space, you yes. know, shedding season. Uh, uh, that's also why, uh, why John asks Tiana to go and get him some more clothes. I could probably use some extra clothes. I'll be 20 microts. Thanks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dago
0: runs into Tiana and uh, tells her to stay put.
1: Well, Keep your comms open and do not move
0: until I say so.
1: <laughs> like, it's like, when did that ever work? <laughs> yeah. What? Just do what I say. Uh, also, really weird camera work. Like any time that... Uh, so they're standing on, on opposite sides of a hallway and the camera pans back and forth between them a few, a few times. And yeah. every time it's on uh, on Dargo, it's extremely shaky, conveying okay. his emotion. And then it goes back to Chiana, oh. And then it's much calmer, sort of conveying, she's not bothered. No, that makes sense. Dargo! Just do it! I also loved when Dargo first sees the, the the Veruca, he goes, whoa! Whoa! Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> He's such a surfer, bro. He is. He's
0: is completely. Zan starts to do some
1: investigation. Yeah, uh, this is her only like useful contribution throughout this entire episode is when she quickly sequences the DNA of the blood that they found. She did that remarkably fast. Hey, it's space technology. No, right? I know,
0: but like, oh, I've completely analysed the blood because yeah, they found a blood smear which was weird because uh, John doesn't seem to be hurt.
1: John, where have you cut yourself? I'm cut. <laughs> I'm cut. You're not cut.
0: Uh, So it must have been the other creature, but it has the same blood as John.
1: Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, here's the sequence that happened. Dargo walks in. He goes, whoa. Uh, It starts shaking. I think he pulls out his quarter blade. Mm -hmm. Then the Neanderthal gets flung at him, must have cut himself on the quarter blade.
0: Oh, could have been, yeah. Or against any of the other sharp protrusions
1: in the maintenance bay. Uh, Such as Dargo's spike. Ugh. Yes. Don't love that. (laughs) John tries to assure everyone that he's, yeah, I'm fine. No, no, I'm okay. I just need a gun. <laughs> Wait, yes. John. <laughs> John is
0: being extremely American. Yes. It's you like,
1: know. Aaron, you got a gun. John, please.
0: It's like, oh, just give me a gun. I'll be fine. Oh, the poor fella. Tiana is the one who finds the missing creature oh. who's, who tries to communicate with her. Yes. And, and she is like remarkably, you know, kind hearted and... Uh, susceptible, even though the fact that he holds her captive at first in the room—he attacks her at first, yeah. yeah he and throws then, her off, but she warms up to him pretty quickly once she discovers that he is trying to communicate to her that he is, in fact, John.
1: John. I thought that this was great. Now, watching it again, I had some problems with the episode, mm-hmm. um, namely that. Okay, so I, noticed, I I saw this in the preparation in the Uncharted Territories book. A uh, quote that Claudia Black. Was not a fan of how her character was uh, was dumbed down. In fact, how most of the characters were sort of dumbed down because they should have. Uh, I mean, they know John, right? Right. They have they have insights that none of them like share or use. They're 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 fairly one dimensional. In her case, she's a, she's a protector and she's a guardian and she's mm-hmm. a warrior, uh, and that's about it. Her intimate knowledge of John doesn't really come to the fore.
0: Yes, I understand that. However, I do believe that was done in order to make this episode about John's, I mean, maybe, discovery about himself. Because that's really oh, what I it's all about, fair. especially towards the end.
1: Oh, that's a very good point. And Chiana. And Ch- Chiana yes. is absolutely amazing in, in, in this one, because it's something that I've noticed before. She responds really well to people who are emotionally honest. Yes. And really poorly to people who are not. Yeah. So, like, encountering this Neanderthal version who is... Extremely emotionally honest. Like, she can relate to that. Here is just someone who is acting panicked because he's panicked. That's not a problem. That's not yeah. something to be scared of.
0: No, and it doesn't mean he's like dangerous or aggressive. It's just like he's in right. emotional distress. I guess that's why that uh, Chana gets along with uh, Rigel relatively well. Oh, good point. Because like, Rigel wears his emotions on the sleeve. Like, yeah,
1: it's always the same one. They're all well, <laughs> yes. It's always the same, yeah. but you know, they're not very long sleeves. He doesn't keep anything up them. <laughs> He's got stubby little arms. He's such a twit this episode. He's just uh, utterly uselessly just wandering by, disapproving of everyone and just antagonizing.
0: I was so disappointed that he didn't get the money shot in uh, when he. Well, what? you know. Okay, so there's like later, on there's, later on, there's a scene where like uh, Chana and Rigel are having a conversation and Rigel has one of the uh, uh, injector pipettes or whatever they are. And, oh, and he's gone. Yes. Like, uh, the first John I'm uh, going to encounter gets this in the uh, in the <laughs> and I was so hoping that that was literally <laughs> yes. going to be like an, uh, a show-off scene between John and John and that it would like... Almost at the time that the need is highest, that it like seems despair, that suddenly there's and the, yeah. the, 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 the right or the wrong one, depending on how you look at it, suddenly goes keeling over and you <laughs> ha- see there's a very smug Rigel sitting there in his throne sled holding the uh...
1: <laughs> Yeah. No, it's a real shame. He got nothing to do no, other than just, just poking every bear that he can find. He's being a real menace. As long as the bear's called
0: John, then yes. I, I, I understand why it didn't happen, because that wouldn't have uh, allowed for the emotional resolve that this episode gets. Yes, but yeah, then the the dilemma that it presents would not be resolved. It would you still know, it would be circumvented.
1: Let's try that thing where we talk about like the plot of the episode and then break it down by scene because I think the plot of the episode is fairly straightforward. Oh yes. So uh, uh, what transpires is that this Neanderthal figure is actually another version of John Crichton. Yes. Uh, Also played by Ben Browder with really bad teeth and a a muscle suit and a fursuit over top. Mm -hmm. And then shortly thereafter, another John gets flung out.
0: Which is the high forehead, brain wrinkles on the outside of the
1: scalp. So cool. For some reason, he talks like Bill Clinton. I understand that, but we're going to
0: analyze it again. When you're ready, pilot. Kind of like he was trying to do another a different American accent, although I think part of it was due due to the prosthetic teeth uh, that he was wearing. Yes. Because he's also wearing diff- different teeth, and you could hear it almost giving a little bit of a lisp. Yeah. Uh, and he tried to work that into an accent, I suppose.
1: Yes, it was an observation by Ben Browder that when he looked at the script, he saw that there's a lot of times when either John or the future version mm-hmm. are on comms with each other, and you had to have some way to tell them apart. Right. So they
0: had to have different accents or at least, uh, yeah, different yeah. speech patterns.
1: And usually, when you portray like a hyper intelligent character on American television, you give them yeah. a British accent, and they start right. speaking round and forward. Yes, and he wanted to sort of buck that trend. He actually he suggested that the future version should be a dark skinned character. Yeah, uh, with the oh, with the sense. idea of yeah, yeah, like you know, genetic blending and evolution and the reinstatement of all those. Uh, um, oh, what are they called again? What's your pigment? Stuff called again. Oh, Mel- Mel- melanocytes. That's melanocytes, what they are. Yes, yeah. they're, they're, they, they make that stuff. And an afro and everything, and then that did not go ahead. Obviously, blackface is not cool, no, even a, for. That's
0: a good point, yeah. It was a good They should have sent him to the beach for a few weeks to get a good tan. Oh. uh, I mean, it's Australia. Yeah. It shouldn't uh, be too hard.
1: Ben Browder was like an avid outdoorsman and surfer trying to keep him inside and off the beach (laughs) when he gets to Australia. Hey, I have a question for you. Uh, This is a challenging question. So we need to tell these dudes apart. And I could go the boring route and tell you what they were named in the the script, which I will do if we need to. But I wonder if you have any of your fun... Nicknames for that. Okay,
0: so I mean, the boring thing would be to go with Past John, Regular John, and Future John. Exactly. That's Uh, boring. We're
1: not doing that one. No, so uh,
0: I'm thinking um, Cave John, and I don't know. I I, want to go Vulcan John, but he's like, because he he does the whole, oh, I'm superior, I'm superior intellect, I'm superior logic thing, and you know that this is the right conclusion, and he's a complete ass about it. I mean, it's kill all humans, John, you know, because
1: he's got that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, he's the ultimate uh, realpolitik uh, practitioner here, right. even more so, at so at than Darko. Fan- usually, or at least he fancies himself like that. So, I had a suggestion, which yeah. I'm not sure is going to land, and that's to have uh, John is John, yeah, and then the advanced future version is John is more uh, a Texan. So, I thought like oh. a name like Jacob would suit him better. Oh. Yeah. And then the Neanderthal version. I mean, Neanderthal is in is in Germany. So, yeah. uh, Jingleheimer Schmidt. And then you'd have John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Oh God. Yeah. I don't know what that is referenced. Oh, to. it's like a it's like a kids camping song. Sure. And don't expect me to remember it. But just. <laughs> okay. Well, I did not expect this to be the one. I thought it would just be a fun joke for some joyous friends. But yes. Okay. So we've John
0: Jean-Jacob Jacob and Jingleheimer Schmidt.
1: Jingleheimer Schmidt. That's the one. We might just
0: make it Schmidt to make it easier. Or nope. To- Okay.
1: <laughs> the whole thing or not at all. Make your own. Yeah, that's the only thing. You you, you will get out of this if you come up with better names. Okay. Uh,
0: down with that. So, Chiana, after befriending Jekyllheimer Schmidt, uh, immediately takes him to maintenance bay 2, or command, control command, I'm not sure which one it is, where uh, yeah, she... See, hey, since when inter- did they have a second maintenance bay? I know, I'm sorry. We, I guess I, they must have loads. Didn't, they didn't, never
1: talked about having one, one of them, or
0: two. Didn't one of them get blown up in a, a while ago? It's like there was the explosions in uh, Darker Returns, I suppose.
1: Oh, fair enough. Eh? Huh, Okay.
0: So that was like it was easy to start using the other one, and this is the scene where yes. where Zahn
1: is like angrily holding the injector pipette. Uh, yeah, she's quiet in the background. She's not involved in any of this. She's but done all the tests and just but see going on. She's got this steely looking, and she's holding
0: it like she's like Brutus about to like say hi to uh, uh, <laughs> brother it? Julius on uh,
1: the Ides of March. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, because there's a there's a conflict between Jingleheimer um, Schmidt and John. In the original script, they were called Neandro and Futuro, but... Oh, eh. yeah,
0: okay. It sounds like more like a Disney Park thing, if you call
1: them that. You know? Because Jingleheimer Schmidt believes that he is John. Yes. As does John, and John is incredibly belligerent about this. I can see a resemblance to you, Crichton. Well, it's enough to make him think he's you. Oh, please. This is not me. This is some kind of clone or something gone wrong. It's got my blood. My DNA incredibly upset. He's yes. still he's still reeling a little bit, but this is coming from from much deeper. Like Chiana says he has your memories, John says half the freaking quadrant has, has my, my memories.
0: memories. Yes, I mean I, I'm pretty sure that the uh, uh, digital security on Garnack base isn't that bad, but right.
1: <laughs> I guess he felt it was a violation. Oh, we've got to stick to the plot. No, okay. it is.
0: It, I mean, I can see that. Like, you, I, I'd be, like, upset if someone, like, identical to me shows up. Well, not identical, but, like, with my set of memory shows up. And then you go, like, okay, so right up until this point, we were the same person. And now yeah. we are different people.
1: Which is articulated by Jacob, yes. who has a bigger brain and thinks faster and is able to articulate all this clearly. I perceive myself to be John. (laughs) And And they are virtually indistinguishable, except he has Hollywood teeth and he has his brain on the outside. And he does look pretty good in that red jacket. But apparently he he doesn't stuff it nearly as well as the regular John does because (laughs) Aaron observes John has more hair and... Amongst other things. things. Or are you blaming that on the cold? (laughs) Yeah... And apparently, she even told Dargo because he quips about it as well. <laughs> yeah. There are some physical differences. Just some. I suppose, you know. More it makes or less. Sense. And like, the, the, Aaron and Dargo give each other a glance when they're imprisoning uh, Jacob, and it's like they're high fiving with their <laughs> eyes. It's fantastic.
0: <laughs> yes, because uh, Jingleheimer Schmidt, and Jacob are both put in uh, the brig, or at least in uh, secure quarters. Yes just to keep them out of the way. There's like a long discussion between uh, Jacob and John where... Uh, Jacob is doing the, like, oh, 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 I'm so superior thing without, like, actually coming out and saying that. Yeah. But uh, an- another emergency arrives because the sphere is suddenly starting to draw power again, and it's, like, severely disturbing Moya's systems.
1: Yep. Something needs to be done to prevent this because the damage will be will be too great otherwise. Jacob tries to convince Aaron to let him out because he has an idea, and it yes. involves the defense screen. Tell them to use the defense screen. The defense screen. What? The defense screen. The defense screen. The defense screen. The defense screen deflects energy, right? The
0: defense screen was not made for this.
1: (laughs) You have to use the defense screen to counteract the the pull pull of the dimensional dimensional hole. Man, I hope we're both right. It's the defence screen! Uh, and after convincing her to at least share this idea, she contacts John, who's on the command, who's already working on the uh, defence screen. Had, just
0: had exactly the same idea. So, so that albeit, alleviates some of yeah. her doubt. The idea is to use the defence screen to... Uh,
1: Isolate.
0: Yeah, work. the the sphere is like going to create a wormhole or at least some sort of dimensional whatever. rift. Yeah. And this they, is the Star Trek. Yeah, and they want to use the, they want to reverse the polarity on the uh, main deflector dish. Oh, yeah, the to reflect, to, to reflect <laughs> the, uh, the signal back towards the sphere so that it can't create the field that will suck Moya and everybody on her into another dimension. How they know it's going to another dimension?
1: I have no frigging clue. Hey, pilot knows about dimensions. I guess. I suppose. Yeah. Do you know the mathematical hypothesis, dimensional schism? I mean, Moya's travelled
0: between dimensions before. Yeah, I mean, we had that when she got split into three, I suppose. Yeah, uh, exactly. No, actually, that she was Through stuck. Yeah, she was stuck in Starburst at that point.
1: Starburst is technically the scene between space-time dimensions, which is not how dimensions work. But hey, th- this is another thing that I really like. This thing, the way that it sort of entered Moya and plopped her like a puddle and yeah. started messing with everything. Like, it so defies our concept of, you know, our a scientific reality or what mm-hmm. objects are supposed to be able to do and interact with each other. I love it. I mean, well, yeah,
0: it could just be like a, a fourth dimensional thing. Exactly. It just move through these things because it decides to do so. Uh, Jacob decide, uh, realizes that running the shields at full power isn't going to work and he tells John to uh, reduce
1: them to 85%. Has to be uh, synchronized, John... Agrees. Decides to last minute. Agree. Shift. Shift them down. We get the shot up the nose of pilot. I love this (laughs) image of him. Also, by the way, Jacob looks good in that captain's uniform. Yes.
0: Whoo. Although, like you said, he doesn't pad it quite so well. A uh, good
1: bit of a uh, good bit of symmetry, or I guess symbolism, there because Jingleheimer wear, Schmidt, yeah. wears his old IASA uniform. Yes, he's, he's got his current like grungy Uncharted
0: Territories leathers, and uh, Jacob is wearing the fascist PK PK Tech uniform,
1: greasy and buttoned up. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, Somebody thought about that. Turning on the shield buys them three to four irons of time.
1: Yeah, the, and, the crisis countdown went up and down. all And the time. Jacob
0: does a very condescending breakdowns, like, "Oh, it's four hours, and it's probably more like three hours." And blah blah blah. blah. I'm so superior, and my logic is inter- my logic is more superior
1: to your logic, or something like that. Hey, you know, at that point, I was actually on Jacob's side. Like, yeah, when they say four hours at the most, plan for three hours. Well, well, yes, of course. Yeah. That's
0: smart. It is. That's the thing. It like and it goes very well in the beginning of the episode. He's. Very reasonable, and he's got good ideas, and he's, he comes yeah. with them quickly. And later on, as the episode progresses, the rough well, edges yeah. of those uh, logical conclusions uh, are starting to show.
1: Yeah, he's a bit of a, he's a, bit of a sea lion. I've, I've met some people just like that on the internet. <laughs> Debate me. Yeah, no, be worthy of it first. Uh, I mean, that's kind of Jacob's an- attitude. When he goes to visit Jingleheimer Schmidt mm-hmm. in the cell with Tiana, he does not even deign to speak to this, uh, uh, no.
0: It's just like oh, it's like version of
1: him. He's utterly disdainful, and this is where I sort of flipped on Jacob. Yeah, like up to that point, I can imagine if he's that smart and also empathetic, that's great. But he it- is a
0: supremacist. Yeah, he's a psycho. Yeah, yeah, psychopath, sociopath. He- sorry,
1: that's the one. Yeah. Uh, the next bit of techno babble involves figuring out or analyzing this signal. Now that Jacob is free he can insist on performing another analysis of this signal and, like, tune it down and take out the third and fifth harmonic. And then we get this really cool sound effect, and the three Crichtons, the three Caballeros, uh, mm-hmm. all get little headaches as these weird voices.
0: Yes, because the thing is putting out signal, and uh, John has analysed them several times, and pilots analysed them, and Jacob goes like, oh, but I my analysis is superior. Uh, and he just, like... <laughs> it's not quite that bad. Filter out the third and the fourth harmonics, and... Uh, then uh, suddenly it starts making sense. Although not everybody can hear it, apparently. There's a little bit of like, can't you hear that? You can hear that? What are you hearing? So
1: it's for the three Johns, and specifically this voice that they hear says that it is... uh...
0: Translating to the alien brainwave pattern.
1: So having sampled John and done whatever it's done, it can attune its signal into their brains, essentially. Now, I am not sure who does the voice for this, Mm. but... I'm willing to bet some points some of my Farscape Fun Bucks that it was Lani Tupu. Internal repairs have been
0: completed. We do not wish to harm you.
1: Oh, that seems to make sense. Be I'm going to do some research useful. into that.
0: Yeah, it makes sense to have, like, already have uh, a person on board as a voice actor. Just like, Can you throw a voice out for this? Yeah, it's basically some alien strong arming. Because the sphere is saying, like, oh, yeah, we took this sample, but our sample return ship is not going to return without a sample. So either you put the sample back in the sample return ship, or we will take everything around us and probably kill you in the process. Within a metra. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's some hardcore science. That's just, like, basically alien bullying. It's like they're going like, yeah, we want the sample, yeah. we're going to get it, and you're either going to give it to us or we'll just grab whatever we can.
1: I wonder what the original intended function was supposed to be, whether it was supposed to, like, spit out John and just keep it to copies.
0: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. We don't know. Uh, apparently, the, the conclusion they draw is that, like, why did it go for John? Is because these aliens probably had the opportunity to sample everybody else. Although, if you're an interdimensional alien, then... I suppose you could check out different parts of the galaxy as well. That shouldn't really be a big yeah, problem. Yeah, I mean,
1: you probably find Delvians and, and, and Luxans Like, throughout the uncharted territories, we found yeah. people who recognize these species, so yeah. they must have seen them before, so they must have diasporate across a huge right. swath but of if the universe. But if you're not limited a to your
0: own uh, uh, dimension, then you're not
1: really limited by one particular galaxy either. That's oh, no, I get that. But it's just, like, if you take a random sampling from pop, 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 anywhere in the galaxy, the oh. odds that that sample is going to include a Delvian is higher than a human because Fair humans point. only exist on one planet. No, okay, good point. Uh-huh. Is what I think, but I, I, had, I, I don't know.
0: I hadn't considered
1: that. So Jacob is pretty quick on the draw and decide one of the versions has to be sent back. Yeah, uh, and that's going to have to be Jingleheimer Schmidt.
0: <laughs> yes, because he's the most expendable one, I suppose. That was the, a the horrible way he calls
1: thing it. to say. Well, no, uh, of him. Oh, right, of Jacob. That yeah, was a horrible yeah. thing of, of Jacob to say. And Crichton is convinced of this like yeah he, he's he's like he's
0: reluctantly he, yeah he has some objections to it but he realizes that like you know it's like if it has to come to one of the three of them then yeah who's the one who's going to be the least contributing to everything yeah this comes back to bite him a little bit later right? and because, rightly so and this is and, and this is what i mean when, it, when this is episode i think is about uh, John's discovery of John. Because uh, everything is echoed back through uh, all the decisions that he makes. He, f- at first, he makes this decision and he agrees with Jacob that yes. Jingleheimer Schmidt is the one to be go. Then later on in the episode, towards the end, when uh, it's be- the, the, okay, so uh, Treaty of Mintaka 3 here, Gosh, Jingle- yeah. uh, uh, Chiana uh, releases Jingleheimer Schmidt, who goes hiding. John finds him, also lets him go at this point, yeah. and then goes off to face off with Jacob. And at that point, he actually comes to the agreement. There's a whole scene where they're stalking around each other, and he's like climbing
1: through the rafters. I thought that was so great. He's climbing like he did when uh, when Dargo had his uh, Luxon hyper rage. Oh yes. he had to climb behind the. <laughs> you hide very well. You must have had a lot of practice. <laughs> Shut up. Yes, like uh, he actually knocks uh,
0: Jacob's weapon out of his hand, and uh, then there's a little bit of a weird punch up, and he decides, okay, no, you're right. Uh, I'm the one who should go.
1: Bet you didn't guess that move. He'd already intended to sacrifice himself. He didn't come down there for uh, uh, for Jacob. He was no. going to do it himself because that's the right thing to do. That gets
0: superseded by Jingleheimer Schmidt jumping on top of Jacob, knocking yeah. him out, and then deciding, okay, no, and now I'm going to have to do it. And that's where where, where the the interesting part comes is that John has a problem with letting jingleheimer schmidt take himself and jacob back into the sphere whereas mm. jacob had no problem with letting john do, or making john do it yeah and we see the
1: empathy and and yes, and, and, and yes yes you're right you're right there's a i mean there's great resolution to this at the come down john is still sort of racked with guilt yes. and he's told you did what you thought was right john yeah and he responds and i did what i knew was wrong he knew it was wrong and he did it anyway. Yeah. He allowed himself to be convinced. And I thought that that, like, I can really relate to that. Right, yeah. And also, the, there is a running theme of facing reality. That's something that, uh, that Jacob kept insisting you have to face yeah. reality. I'm going to face reality. You couldn't face reality. If you don't start facing reality soon, I'm going to face it for you. Face reality? We were saving ourselves at someone else's expense.
0: Uh, and you have a limited but that was. But that was like, to me, that uh, sounded very much like, you know, someone who is trying to convince you you have to face reality. This is the only option. When in fact, no, this is the only option that you're presenting.
1: Uh, yeah, because in the end, Jingleheimer Schmidt said that he accepted his fate. Yes. My fate, I accept. Not facing reality, accepting his fate, and that yeah. was right because this is John's place and John's time, and not Jacob's or Jingleheimer Schmidt. No,
0: that, that's a very good point, and then, now it turns back to uh, what you were saying because there's a whole thing with uh, Chiana and Jingleheimer Schmidt, and it's, it's Chiana who is the one who's most against. Uh, she releases John him and Jacob, uh, for that
1: exact reason. Like yeah. you don't get to just decide that right. someone is disposable.
0: They get to the point where okay, we, we're running out of time, the screen's gonna collapse, yeah. the ship the, the thing's going to destroy Moya or at least suck her with her to another dimension. We won't want that. John is convinced by Jacob to go ahead and sacrifice Jingleheimer Smith, and when they come pick him up, uh Gian is only the only one left in the cell. And I let him go. Yep. Because it's not your call. Up yours. Yeah. Look, just because the Sphere wants a Crichton, it doesn't mean it has to be you, okay? Well, be me. Well What about the guy with the big head? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got just as much right to be here as he does.
1: God, how would things have turned out if, if Jacob had stayed aboard? Oh, it would have been like... I don't know, maybe
0: like Romulans support the original Star Trek. <laughs> I mean, I got a lot of Vulcan-Romulan vibes
1: from Jacob. You know, the whole... Well, okay, but they're not usually... To the detriment of the, the crew historically in Star Trek, Anytime you have a, well, a, a, a prickly Vulcan on board, you're generally glad to have them there by the end but, of the season. But this is also addressed. Uh, this is in the, discussed
0: in the, between uh, John and Jacob. He's doing the stalking around and he goes like, oh, you think you're going to be part of the crew? Oh, no, you're not going to. Because John realises that the rest of the crew like him. Yeah. And he, he's, he's starting to see that Jacob is a bit of a prick. And Jacob
1: uh, realizes it too. He's just yeah. like, I can never be me
0: while you're around. And that's the only way that he can take that role, or at least become that part, if John is actually not there anymore. And yeah, he's especially he's count- murderous and there. He's, he's counting on the fact that eventually they'll forget about what John used to be like.
1: Yeah, I guess he's so enamored with his new big brain, which I can understand how great that must feel. Oh, yeah.
0: It's amazing, Sam,
1: what's happened to me. Virtually without even trying, I'm beginning to understand concepts that I've been thinking about for months years, that he sort of underestimates everybody else, and he can't really model how they will feel or, and at least, evolve. Or at least he thinks
0: he can predict what they'll do, but that's yeah, not enti- entirely based on logic, I suppose, or his perceived superior intellect.
1: Hey, have we just made it through the whole episode?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think so, there, there's still plenty
1: of things to discuss about it, I would say. Definitely. So I think now we're going to dive into an hour and a half talking about Willys and woodies. Sure. <laughs> Actually, uh, let me see. Let me see. What did we? Uh, what did we skip over and miss? Well, a- let's finish it off first, properly. Oh, yeah. No,
0: you're right. You're right. Because Jingleheimer Schmidt, uh, after knocking Jacob out, I
1: can't believe oh. I can remember these names. I know. <laughs> but- I thought that this was just. Also, I kind of regret giving <laughs> giving him such a because he's such a a, a sympathetic character. And yes. oh, I really miss. I really. I shed a tear for Jingleheimer Schmidt. Now we just both have to say that. But I'm very impressed with. But yes, doing
0: he-, it. he knocks uh, Jacob out. like, uh, dead. For- Dead. Dead. Oh, was he, was he dead? Oh, yes. John. Uh, John feels his pulse. Oh, okay. I, did, I missed that.
1: Yeah. Good. <clears throat>
0: throws him in the fireman's carry. Butt shots. Butt shots. And he ca- carries him off into the sphere, which then does its thing. It flashes. It disappears. liquefies, and, yeah. and
1: vanishes.
0: No, it, it goes back energy. It's oh, like, yes, that's right. That's right. It, it turns back into that small little energy sphere that was floating around at first.
1: Buzzing. It's so cool. It's so cool, Kay. I really like this <laughs> effect. I'm just crazy for it. It was a very pretty effect. I'll give you that. And all's well that ends well. Although there's like
0: a little bit of a discussion between Dargo and John and John and Chiana, especially the
1: latter. Chiana comes and visits John while he's struggling with his guilt. As yeah. I as I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. that she assures him that he did what he thought he had to do, and he knows better. But he got there in the end. He needed a little, a little help.
0: You really offered to take the dive.
1: It took me a while, and I needed some help. That's what he credits her with. She's the one who helped him to realize that he was not being true to himself. And I really like your observation that the story is about John's self-discovery. It wasn't something that that I was conscious of at the time, but you're absolutely right. Because I'm thinking of an earlier scene, the first time that there's a real confrontation between Jacob and John. And Jacob says, uh, You're losing perspective. Yeah. And John says... No, I am widening my perspective. That is what I do. That's what makes me, me. Damn right, John. Yes, that is exactly what you've been doing since episode one. You've been widening your perspective, and it's always the right answer.
0: And that's what the thing with Shana is about, is the three Johns that we have are basically two of his aspects. his his, his emotion, 11. Yeah. His, his emotional aspect and his uh, scientific intellectual aspect, and yep, yep. the real John being there sitting in the middle. And Tiana turns out to be the thing that she apparently really likes about John is the emotional aspect of him.
1: Yeah, that he's warm and caring, sensitive.
0: He's everything I ever liked about you. Okay. The other thing that we can draw from this is that apparently nobody likes the scientific
1: aspect of John, <laughs> which is totally not true. <laughs> nobody likes his brain. Oh, it's a shame they didn't ask Dan who who she liked better. Like this would have been a. Gosh, yeah, if you've got the rest, if we've had a little bit less of the babble yeah. and a little bit more of, like, character interactions and, 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 like, really dealing with, because each of these Johns can be John, yes. right? They all have the same memories up until the point of divergence each of these could be accepted by the crew if they wanted to, and it would be their John.
0: Mm. Yeah, so we're, we're, we've skipped the entire scene where there's like the technobabble like f- fidgeting with the power conduits I to, know, the, to I the, just the defense don't screen. Care and about it's that. Really not if,
1: it does have that one moment where while Dargo, Dargo really cares about the defense screen, is oh, working yeah. on it, tries to convince uh, uh, John that uh, Jingleheim Schmidt needs to be sacrificed. This is where Dargo gives the eye roll when John gives yes, an unconvincing like, counter I mean, argument.
0: Uh, anthony Simcoe he's like he does the best eye roll there is he's just like he's got those beautiful white eyes for it too, and he's oh, just like goodness. whenever he does that he does it so
1: theatrically it's I'm so fantastic. glad they got rid of the green contact lenses <laughs> There's also a scene later on where Dargo is in the neuro cluster and talking over the comms with John, and first of all, you see him like. Very Dr. Phil, very Oprah, like, holding out his hands reasonably. John, I respect your position. I yeah. understand. I will be there for you. But if you don't start facing reality soon, I will face it freaking for you. Right. And this is, this
0: is, like, really showcasing how their relationship has developed over time with Dargo respecting John much more than he did in the beginning. At the beginning, he, like... Yeah, he didn't respect John at all. But like now, they've they're on par with each other, and they know what. Yeah, but and he will put his foot down when he realizes that. Okay, now you're going too far. Like someone will have to make this choice, and if you don't make it, I will do it for you because this is about all of us, not just about you. And I understand that you're
1: bearing the most of the emotional response for this. But yeah, but John does it right back. Like he has enough of a like. Is this who we are now? Is this what we do now? And it's kind of fair because they have in the past already decided that they would that they would rather face extraordinary risks than sacrifice someone else, in the case of, for example, Talon yes. or Moya herself.
0: No, very much so. Um, Whereas Sleesback John or Jacob, as we're calling him now, would gladly sacrifice anybody as long as it's not him. So you've got the skull wrinkles or sort of the brain wrinkles in the skull. Yeah, but he's also his forehead's always shiny. It's so he's, wet. He's a little bit slimy and greasy. Yes. It's like what's that character from Orgasmo? The guy who plays. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> I didn't expect you to go there. <laughs> I'm leaving in your little sound effect, by the way. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, like I am now just realizing that I could have named them like John and then Jacob because it's an ancestral name, and then yeah. the loser could be Jingleheimer Schmidt, and we wouldn't feel so bad about him dying. Now, if fair was, point, it was yeah. called Jingleheimer. Well, tiny jingle, tiny, tiny jingle. Ooh. <laughs> Littleheimer Schmidt, no. Oh, little Heimer Schmidt. Oh dear. No, okay. Uh, PG thirteen podcast. You were right. Put it in. It's such so. a struggle though because wow. That stunt butt.
0: Yeah. Okay, so willies and woodies.
1: She gives me a woody. She gives you the willies.
0: You said you had a lot of them.
1: I've got a f- one or two, but they're fairly technical, all of them. Okay, so my, my, my willie is sort of globally. This episode or this story had so many places to go mm-hmm. um, that if it had committed a little bit more to, like, the Farscape ethos of the, of, right. of the heart over the head. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's... It, 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 amounted to that in the end. Well, it's a very philosophical story about, like, self-discovery and and via how other people see you. Mm -hmm. But, like, Dargo never picks a favourite. And Aaron doesn't doesn't either. And Zan doesn't either. And that would have been a really interesting way for for all of them to get to reflect. And Okay, Rigel... Picks whoever he runs into first. The first Crichton I see gets this in the back of his head. Whichever is the first Crichton I find, I will butt shot (laughs) him with his injector. And he's going into the sphere and I don't care. So that one at least is is true. Uh, But But uh, but again, that's true to Rigel's nature. Yeah, Exactly. But I kind of wish that we'd had that for Dargo and Zan, no, and maybe that. a little bit less of the Trekno babble. But that's yeah. my only that's my only Willie for the my woodies. gosh. Well, it's the music, it's the uh, energy ball effect, it's the it's the green Veruca. Um, I really liked John in that captain's uniform. Oh, I, just, I, I can know just imagine it's, that. Yes, it's fascist fashion. But uh, <laughs> man, those lines! Do you notice that he he knocked out Aaron with a Pentac jab hit? I.
0: No, a jab. Yes, I guess that's his superior intellect again, knowing exactly where to strike a sebation to knock her out.
1: Wow, that's savage to bring that back to her. Yeah. Which we actually, we don't see
0: much of her after that point in the episode, do we? Oh no, she's knocked out. Yeah. Oh, she
1: doesn't actually come back, you're right. No, I don't think so.
0: So, my willy would go to the overuse of gratuitous slow motion. Because there yes. is so much... Bad slow motion shots in this episode.
1: I agree. This is a little pet peeve of mine. Whenever, like, regular 25 FPS footage is artificially slowed down, well, there were two cases where it wasn't bad slow mo, where it was a a, a deliberate alteration to the shutter angle of the camera. Right. That's okay if you want to do that as a style, but it is so very
0: much 90 slow motion uh, TV. It's
1: usually an effect where you know, they they get the dailies, and this is not quite as energetic or as cool, or it or it goes by too fast. And okay, we'll just slow it down now, even though we don't we can't refilm it with a slow motion camera like you actually ought to.
0: Yes, that makes sense. Other than that, I noticed, and I guess I guess that might be a Woody, although it's a bit uh, weak for that. It's like there's lots of shots where there's like sparkles, sparks, and sparkles going off in the background, especially in oh, the scene. Oh yeah, you can see like they must have gone overboard on the the pyrotechnics in this episode because there's like. Yep. Yeah, uh, we, a little but, bit. Of bloom. But they're coming down in sparkles in the background yeah. all of the time. So there must have been like either someone like striking magnesium bars against things, or some sort <laughs> of other uh, form of
1: uh, yeah. It's all over the place,
0: especially around the shield generator or whatever they call it. Uh, the, the defense screen. The defense screen. The
1: defense screen. That's the how safe
0: is that stuff? Like are,
1: are those sparks oh, coming bar- down in the background.
0: They call it. Call, uh, in Dutch, we call it cold fire but it's oh, not okay. cold at all it yeah, just I mean, burns you, out very quickly you wouldn't want it on your skin it's only going to leave a tiny prick because it has almost no mass to it and it's the same problem oh, okay. okay it's the same thing when you have aluminum foil in the oven you can just take it out you can just reach in grab the aluminum foil and pull it out because it's still 200 degrees but it's so thin it has almost no thermal uh, capacity. Uh, capacity right right so you can just pick it up and pull it out and you're it's no problem at all <laughs> Hey, so we did get our little scientific aside. There you then. go. Yeah. <laughs> and the same goes with that fire. It's like it's twelve hundred degrees because it's burning white.
1: Right, but yes, it's only yes. such
0: a tiny little spark. It has almost no energy. Wow. So it's, it might leave a tiny
1: little, not even a burn. It's like you might feel it, but that's probably probably it. It's not even going to leave a blister. I guess another willy is. It doesn't really advance the uh, the relationships. So uh, do you know how like Dargo and and Chiana had a little yeah. had a little fight? We saw them coming together very recently, right? But that doesn't seem to be evolving here. No, but Ch- Chiana seems to be much more into John in this episode, or various aspects of John. Yes. Um, oh yes, there is maybe a reason for that. Yeah. This episode was aired as episode two fourteen. Right. In uh, some territories, it was it was it was filmed after uh, episode two thirteen. It was and it wasn't sure what the order was going to be. So I guess that's why it was such a bottle episode. So they could right. move around the schedule a little throw bit, throw it around where we needed. Yeah, but still no it idea exactly sense. why that was. But yeah. man, I loved. The, okay, one more Woody. The camera work throughout this, Catherine oh, yes. Miller, absolutely. I had no idea that she brought this, but I'm really excited. She did two more episodes. One mm-hmm. of them's coming up pretty soon. So I'm really excited to see those two. Yeah.
0: I mean, it was stunningly filmed, other than the gratuitous slow-mo. Yes,
1: but instead we did get the <laughs> GoPro up-nose for, uh, for Pilot. <laughs> yes. and, oh, Pilot selfie cam. And that's the story so far, scape.
0: We'll see you next week with episode 211, A Kiss is But a Kiss, Look at the Princess, part one. Ooh, we're getting a double two-parter. Ooh. In which, as Billy Roberts says, what will our heroes do when one of their own swaps spit with a local and now must stay on the planet forever? Oh. Also, Cupid has struck on Moya.
1: Oh, when the moon hits your eye like the big pizza pie, that's amore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to teach you some some John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt next. Oh, and speaking of uh, bonus content, we have officially started our Patreon. You can yes. find us on uh, patreon.com slash sofarscape. We put a bunch of tiers up there. They all get the same bonuses. Like if if you just want to chip in a buck a month, like we'd really appreciate it. It goes toward hosting. And if there's uh, anything left over, We promise, we solemnly promise, we will spend it on absolute nonsense. We'll find some stupid toys or whatever. It'll be ridiculous. Yes, you can hear it. You can listen to us playing with SoFarscape toys. (laughs) For the contributors, we've got some uh, some fun bonus material. I'm posting the GIF packs for my my favorite GIFs from these episodes. And we've started recording some fan fiction. So you might be able to listen to us read original Farscape fan fiction. (laughs) Uh, But hey... Here's one thing that, that that that's really kind of important to us. We're not making fun of the fanfiction. Like, this was written in good faith, often by young people. Like, we're going to have some fun with it, but I particularly love that this is something that you can do, Kate. Like, you can yes. actually go on fanfic... The- site wherever and just find fan fiction that was published in 1999 because they had not seen any no, of the so later
0: anything they're saying is what it's they're guessing safe and guess- yes it is i just have to make sure that the original publication date is not past anything that i've seen before on uh, farscape
1: and thank you again to the uh, the early birds wookie tiddy yes we'll say your full name now <laughs> you've you've certainly earned it uh, tonks and crimson and lee it means so much to us to to have your support but we've also been Absolutely floored by the number of people who signed up to the Patreon uh, that we've never heard of before. We
0: can only assume that you must be listeners who enjoy our
1: show, and thank you so much. Olivia and Hank. Uh, Brian and and Jerry, thank you. And last but not least, Icarus. And Vixie, uh, the most recent... Yeah, like, you guys... This is, this is amazing. We're we're actually like covering uh, most of our hosting and uh, and the software bills, it, and it's only been one week, so thank you once again. We're
0: completely blown away, and if there's any money left over, we promise it to spend it on absolutely ridiculous that's shit.
1: Terribly stupid, absolutely <laughs> unwise. We're not going to use it for anything useful at all. Once again, that's patreon.com slash SoFarscape. Thank you so much if you uh, if you want to chip in a bit. You can find us at SoFarscape on Facebook and Twitter, and on SoFarscape.com. I'm Kaki.
0: I'm Kay. SoFarscape. So yeah, it's so, so good, good.